0: Well, good afternoon. I'm glad that you're joining me. If you're joining me live, it is 3 p.m. Central Time in Tyler, Texas, which is cool and wet and feeling very much like fall on this first day officially of fall. I hope you're enjoying the change of the of the seasons. What a great God we have. What a great and wonderful creation he has given us. And uh, as we look at the Psalms in this study on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. If you're watching it live, of course, it also posts right after that on my Facebook page and also on our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook page and our West Erwin Church of Christ website, uh, which is westerwin.com. You click on the scroll over the social media and resources and click on the live streaming page and scroll down a bit to where it says archives. You can see all kinds of our previous messages and worship services, my Sunday morning sermons, uh, my Sunday afternoon study on Philippians, our Tuesday-Thursday studies um, earlier this year in the book of Matthew and then following that this summer in the book of Acts and now over the last few weeks. Uh, we've been looking at the Psalms. I plan to do this. Uh, we won't look at every one of the 150 Psalms, but we will look at a bunch of them. And so I hope that this will be a time of uh, blessing for you and a time where you are able to spend some time in devotion and perhaps prayer and praise uh, to our great God, just as the psalmist did, and as we joined together with uh, the psalmist. As you do a study on the book of Psalms, it's a bit different than uh, other kinds of studies because it is devotional literature. It's a prayer book, it's a hymn book, and it's used for both. And there's also some uh, different types of prayers and praises and psalms as we have seen. And so if you read through the psalms, you will find a psalm for whatever it is that you're feeling at the moment. And I think it's a great way to find a good way to express your feelings about what's going on in your world to the Lord. If you're mad at him, there are some Psalms that express a bit of disappointment and anger at God. If if you are wondering about what he's doing and where he is, then there are Psalms about that. If you're experiencing some great joy, and all you want to do is sing praises to his name. Obviously, there are some psalms uh, about that as well, and lots of others. If you're feeling heartbroken because of your own sin, there are some great psalms of penitence before God. Uh, If you're just very sad over some things that are happening, there are great psalms of lament Uh, that will put into words some of the things that you're feeling. The situations will be different, obviously, for the psalmist, uh, but you will understand that the feelings are the same and the words can transfer through the centuries to us today. It's a great blessing uh, to be able to read some of these psalms that have been around for thousands of years, literally, and yet they are so appreciated by us today and 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 so heartfelt uh, by us today, as well. And so we began uh, on Thursday last week, uh, finishing up our intro time and looking at beginning at the uh, looking at one of the psalms that can serve as a call to worship. Uh, and so I want to read that psalm. It's not very long. In fact, it's the shortest chapter in the Bible. It's Psalm one seventeen. And lots of psalms can be used as psalms of praise, and we'll look at some more of those in the uh, next time that we're together. But today, including this psalm, Psalm 117, I want us to look at some psalms that serve wonderfully well as a call to worship. These are psalms that call uh, all of creation, all of humanity, all of Israel, all of the church, uh, all of those around you to worship the Lord our God. And it is a great, um, a great blessing to be able to share these. They work so well at the beginning of a worship service as calls to worship. Uh, or perhaps if you're having a de- time of devotion at your home with a small group, they work great for that uh, to call everyone into the presence of the Lord. If you're just spending some time in prayer and devotion to the Lord yourself, these calls to worship help us to be able to uh, m- remember that we're getting uh, spiritually connected with our God and they point us to the great blessings that he has given us and and how worthy he is of our worship. <clears throat> so Psalm 117, we won't spend any time with it, but I'll just read it, um, both verses. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. We mentioned a song or two that is taken exactly from uh, this psalm, and that term, praise the Lord, literally, as we have said, is hallelujah, uh, giving praise to the Lord, to Jehovah, uh, to Yahweh, Y-H-W-A, that H, that sacred name for God, the sacred tetragrammaton that God gave to himself when Moses was at the burning bush, and he said, when they ask you who sent you you tell them i am sent you yah Ye- jehovah yahweh and um, and so that word that we have hallelujah we translate praise the lord uh, that's exactly what it means is praise given over uh, to that great god that moses encountered at the burning bush and that is very much a part of our lives today as well <clears throat> so we look at these individual psalms and we begin with these calls to worship, uh, such as Psalm 117 uh, that we just read. And I want us to look at several others today uh, at, during the short time that we have together. Uh, Psalm 95 uh, is the next one. And as we look at these Psalms, um, I, I, yes, I'm going to do a little bit of singing because the, the Psalms call you to sing. They're They're a hymn book as well as a prayer book. And many of these Psalms have turned into almost word for word, depending on the translation and the time of the writing of the song have turned into uh, literal songs for us, uh, taken right out of uh, the scriptures. And Psalm 95 uh, is, uh, is one of those um and uh and it is a it is a great song in fact, the title of the song it's more of a devotional song I think uh, I don't think we've sung it in church much, I think some of the youth groups have uh but it's uh the title of the song uh, that dates back to earlier earlier days with bill um the title of the song I think is psalm actually psalm ninety five I think that's the title so if you want to google it and search for it then uh, you could probably do that, uh, but the song is taken right out of uh, the uh, the scriptures in Psalm 95, and it goes something like this. Come, let us sing with joy to the Lord, let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol, that's the basis, and extol, and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand is the depth of the earth and the mountain Belong to him, the sea is his, he made it, and, he heard, and his hand formed the dry gland. And that's I think there's another verse, but why don't we go ahead and read the psalm, Bill? That's probably the best thing to do right now. So it starts out with this hymn of praise. It starts out with calling everyone to come before him with joy and gratitude. In Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. The psalmist calls everyone around to join him, but to join him in worship and praise to the Lord with great joy and with great gratitude. One of the things that I'm struck by more and more is that that sense of gratitude to the Lord, that sense of appreciation for the blessings that he has given and the blessings that he is to us, um, that has so much to do with our sense of joy. The Psalmist reminds us of that, and others do in the Bible as well. Certainly, we read that in the books and letters of Paul, such as in First Thessalonians. Uh, chapter 5. He continues on to tell us a few things about why we should come before the Lord with joy and why we should be grateful for the opportunity uh, to extol him and sing his praises. First of all, because he is worthy. In verses 3 through 5, for the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods, in his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Only God is creator. Only God is worthy. There are many others that people will call their gods. There are many others, just as Paul in Acts 17 when he was in Athens. He was walking around in one of their areas of worship Uh, that had so many altars to so many of their so-called gods and he stopped at the one that said to the unknown God and he pointed to that one and he said I want to talk to you about the God Uh, That you don't know about. I want to talk to you about the God that isn't served by human hands, that doesn't live in homes like we do, that can't be built or destroyed. I want to talk to you about the eternal creator God of the universe. That's what the psalmist says too. He is worthy. He is the creator God. He made everything and everything belongs to him. Uh, Praise God because he is worthy. And next, he says, says it's because he's not just worthy of our worship, but in spite of his greatness and our littleness, he actually cares for us. Verse six, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you would hear his voice, So God is worthy of our worship and he cares for us. He loves us like a shepherd does his sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. That's such a great theme that we'll hear again in Psalm 100 that we hear in that beautiful 23rd Psalm as well. We are the flock under his care. But even though he cares for us, even though he is worthy and allows us to come into his presence Still, we realize that this is a God who is a just God. This is the eternal creator. And so He demands our trust and our obedience. Um, this passage looks back to the book of Numbers, to the people of Israel uh, with Moses in the wilderness in Numbers 13 and 14, when they had seen so much great, so many great things from God. Uh, In Egypt, as he delivered them and saw those plagues and then received that law and did all of these things. And yet, and yet they still had trouble trusting him. And we have the same kind of trouble. But the psalmist calls us to worship God with joy and gratitude. He calls us to remember that God alone is worthy and that he alone is God. He he reminds us that God, in spite of his greatness, loves us so much and cares for us so deeply. But he also reminds us that God is a just God and that he will punish those who reject him, just as he did Moses and the children of Israel, those who rejected God during those days in the wilderness, God will reject those uh, who reject Him. Even uh, today, uh, we're reminded of of the Book of Hebrews in chapters three and four that look back to this same occasion and and remind us that God told them, "Look, those of you that are unrighteous, unrighteous, you will not enter into My rest. You will not cross the Jordan with the rest of your brothers and sisters in Israel." Uh, and that's exactly what happened. We know that not even Moses went across the river, but only Joshua and Caleb, those two worthy, righteous, trusting, faithful spies who came back from the land of Canaan and told Moses and the others, "Hey, we can do this. We can do this with God's help." <coughs> Excuse me. And they were they were able to do that. Joshua and Caleb though, advanced in years, crossed over the Jordan River. Uh, That's the promise of God uh, that we will be able to enter his rest as well. The writer of Hebrews brings that to our attention again. So let's go to the next psalm that's a call to worship, and it's actually the very next psalm in our Bible. It's Psalm 96, and it begins with these words, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. What a great way to start a call to worship. And we're reminded of that song that uh, a lot of churches used to sing, I think, when I was younger, the new song. They sing and have a new song. But that song is about Moses and the Lamb. It may very well be that that song is taken from the book of Revelation rather than from these statements like this one in Psalm 96. There is a song, I think, that is taken more from this song, Uh, but also looks back to Revelation chapters 3 and 4. And let's get to that one in just a moment. Psalm 96, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Uh, We're called to praise the Lord, to sing to the Lord new song, old song, any song that will give him praise and will honor him and be done from a sincere and genuine heart. What a great blessing it is. Uh, to learn these wonderful new songs. I appreciate so much so many of our older members who have learned some new songs over the last several years. And so many of them have come to me and talked about songs such as How Deep the Father's Love and Surround Us, O oh Lord, and so many others. And they say, oh, I just love that song. I just love that song. And so here at West Irwin, and I'm sure at your church too, we sing a balance of old and new. Uh, in praise of our God, because we know songs connect with people on a deeply emotional level, and so does the book of Psalms. It connects with people on a deeply emotional level, in some ways much more emotionally intimate than a sermon can do. And so when people think about the great songs that they have experienced, they look back with tenderness and, and with a smile and with a tear. And I love that. I love that about songs. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, verse 2. And then in verse 3, he tells us that we should declare his glory to all peoples. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. I think the Old Testament gets a bad rap sometimes because sometimes we think that the Old Testament really was only concerned for the Jews, that it was only concerned with the descendants of Abraham, that it really didn't care much about anybody else, and that's just not true. And when you think about it, you know that, right? You know that Jonah, that prophet of old, was not sent to people of Israel, but rather he was sent to Nineveh, the capital of the world power, the Assyrians. Um, and and that was a hard thing for Jonah because they were the enemies of his people. And yet God sent him there. Why? Because they were created in the image of God, too. No, they weren't the chosen people like the descendants of Abraham, the Jews were. But they were important to God and God wanted his name to be uh, heard there. Romans 1 tells us that even those who have never heard the word of God or since the cross, the message of Christ, the gospel, even they know from what has been made from this great creation around us, uh, they can realize that that this didn't happen by accident. They can realize that God is a divine God. He has a divine nature and that he is eternal, that he is far greater than we are and that creation doesn't worship creature, but rather creation is called upon to worship creator. We get that from the Psalms. We get that from Romans 1. uh, And we get that right here, that all of the nations, all peoples of the world are called to join us in praising God and declaring his glory. Why is that? Well, again, the reason is, is because he alone is God. Psalm 96 verses 4 through 6. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary it far different from the idols that a craftsman might make Isaiah Jeremiah others um, pretty much make fun of those who would worship an idol because they talk about it. A, a, a craftsman gets a tree and he, he cuts it and he forms it into a piece of wood. And then another craftsman comes and overlays it with gold. And then someone else comes along and, and puts it in a, in a block so that it won't topple over. And then for some reason or another, people bow down and worship it as if it's God the psalmist says that's not God at all. Our God is great. He is most worthy of praise. Uh, He is the one who made the heavens. Again, the creator. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are his sanctuary, not the things around us in this world. Um, And and the psalmist calls us to uh, remember that it is the Lord who is great. And in the New International Version that I typically use it is the Lord, and Lord is in all caps. And when you see that, sometimes in other versions it will be translated Jehovah. That's that sacred tetragrammaton, Y H W H. And from that, we get the term Yahweh. In the Old Testament Hebrew, they just wrote down consonants. They didn't write down vowels. And, and the name of God became so sacred to them that they refused to pronounce it. But what we have done is added a couple of vowels in there, Y-H-W-H. And then so you add a couple of vowels and it becomes Yahweh. Or you add a couple of vowels in, in a different language and it becomes Jehovah. Um, almost a transliteration of that ancient Hebrew. Uh, In the NIV, and a lot of newer translations, it's translated the Lord, but in all caps, so that you'll know that that's what that is referring to. Sometimes it's just Lord with a capital L, and it's a different name for God, perhaps, or sometimes it's a lowercase l, talking about lords as in uh, individuals that you might greet uh, that are a people of authority and and power, my Lord, uh, rather than as the Lord. Um, the Psalms help us to remind ourselves that God is the God of existence. I am that I am. He is the one that is worthy of our praise. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. That's where God lives in the midst of strength and glory. And then the psalmist is going to share a little bit more about that and saying that this God is a God of glory and honor and reverence and worship. Again, this is going to sound much like Revelation chapters 4 and 5. Um, And so we read verses 7 through 9 of Psalm 96. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Such a powerful statement. Um, and, and there's a beautiful song that we learned years ago uh, back in the 90s, I think, um, uh, from a worship seminar that we went to that had a, a beautiful group singing um, a song. And I'm not sure that I remember all of it. And perhaps your church sings it some. And I think it might even be in some of our some of our books. Um, but it goes something like this. Ascribe to the Lord. The glory to his name. Worship the Lord in the presence of his mighty word. Well, that's something like that is that great, great song. And it's just a beautiful song of very contemplative worship of the majesty of God. And the psalmist is the one who wrote the words to that song. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. And again, this sounds very much like what John the Apostle would receive in that great and awesome revelation at the end of our Bibles, when he would hear the call to worship and praise the God, the Father who is on the throne, and to join with the 24 elders and all the others, uh, the magnificent host of heaven, Uh, to worship before his throne. And then in the very next chapter in chapter five, the lamb that looks as if he had been slain. He looks that way because he had been slain. This wasn't a lamb in all of its power that looked more like a lion. This was actually a lamb that as the world would view him looked like the epitome of weakness. And yet it was the most powerful strength known to man. It was that lamb who is worthy. We sing songs about worthy is the lamb. And that is taken right out of that Revelation chapter 5. Revelation, a great book of worship. Chapters 4 and 5, a great song of worship in both of those great, great chapters that you'll recognize many of our songs of praise and worship uh, being connected with that. And that mention of Jesus, that mention of God, holy, 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 goes back to Psalms like this one, worship the Lord and the splendor of his holiness, tremble before him all the earth. He alone is God. He alone is worthy of our worship, our reverence uh, of glory and honor and praise. And then finally, the psalm ends with this call for all creation to worship the righteous judge. Beginning at verse 10 of Psalm 96, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. And, rem- and again, he's saying, let all the nations do this. He created everyone. He created everyone in his image. Uh, And and the psalmist calls on everyone, wherever they are, to worship the creator, to worship the one who alone is worthy, to worship the one who alone is found in his sanctuary, surrounded by uh, power and strength and honor. Verse 11, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. The psalmist calls on us and on all creation to praise and worship the Creator. The only one who is worthy. Uh, there's no sense in worshiping creation or creature. Uh, the Bible calls us, the psalmist calls us to worship the Lord, the one true and living God, the God who is creation, and calls on all of that creation uh, to worship and praise that creator, and calls on all the earth and all the heavens. Uh, to worship him. We're reminded of that great passage in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, probably a first century hymn and song that they sang as well, that talks about how Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to hold on to, but emptied himself, made himself nothing, and took upon himself not just human form, but the form of a servant, and endured even death. And not just any death, but death on a cross. And then that great song ends in verses 9 through 11 of Philippians 2. uh, Therefore, God has given him a name that is above every name and called on all creation uh, to worship him and to bow the knee before him, uh, whether in heaven or on earth or under the earth, and that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We have something that the psalmist didn't have. We have, as Paul Harvey might say, the rest of the story, the story that fulfills all of these wonderful things that the psalmist and others had called for and fulfills it through the person of Jesus Christ, the son of God, because he alone is worthy. He alone is the sacrifice. The writer of Hebrews looks back on that as well and says, in spite of how great he was, he became small. He became even lower than the angels. And now God has given him the name that is above every name, again, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow. Things in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's exactly what the psalmist calls people to do in the presence of God, Jehovah, Yahweh, the Lord. Let the heavens rejoice. Verse 11, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound in all that is in it, let the fields be jubilant and everything in them, let all the trees of the forest sing for joy, let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Again, for those who would say, you know, God is just a God of love. He doesn't care really how you live. He doesn't care what you believe. He's fine with whatever you decide, whatever makes you happy. That's all he wants. Well, that's not all he wants. He wants what will be best for you for eternity. And because he is who he is, not just a loving God, but a righteous and just God, he is the creator. And so he calls on the creation uh, to live faithfully before him. We can't live perfectly, we don't, but he has given us the blood of his son so that we too can be worthy in his sight and live a life that is worthy out of gratitude, a life that is filled with the kind of praise that the psalmist calls us to have even uh, today and so we'll end today with the first couple of verses of this great psalm, and then we'll look at another call to worship that great Psalm 100 uh, on Thursday, and look at begin to look at some psalms of praise as well, Psalm 96. Verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. I hope and pray that throughout this week, you too will take the time to remember the creator and to sing to him from your heart. Uh, with gratitude and with great joy to the one who is worthy, to the one who is creator, to the only true and living God. Amen.